Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who thinks that Punxsutawney Phil is washed, Brand Siegel. How you doing today? First of all, he is washed. He's correct like 30-some percent of the time. That's a terrible clip. That's a terrible strap It's rate. bad. He's, it's he's bad. wrong a lot. And here's the thing. There's been multiple of him. This one's probably been worse than him the 30 Him and his ancestors, they're all frauds. I don't no, know. No, they're not, dude. Stop it. But hold on. No, I, don't, I don't know who you are. You haven't been introduced yet. Um, I, I think the thing about uh, the groundhog is normally he doesn't predict spring. This year he did predict an early spring. But he's wrong more often than not. So then I don't know what to think, you know? The math isn't mathing here. Um, but of course, the third member of our podcast is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you today? I'm great. And Punk's Tiny Phil is not washed. I just want to make that very clear. He is not washed. He's, he's great. He's great? How so? Uh, Trevor, if he was an MLB baseball player, he'd be in the Hall of Fame because he's batting like 390. That's fantastic. <laughs> 390. I think the percentage of uh, batting in baseball is different than the percentage of being correct. Well, about he's, well, he's a meteorologist, sport. right? And so if you're if you're right, for like 40 percent of the time in weather, that's usually pretty good, too. So I, I think he deserves some respect. I don't I'm not going to tolerate you two slandering him during mm. his time of the year. He, he shines for one t- one one time of the year. And you guys are going to slander that like really? Yes, I'm, I'm gonna so slander. tired. I mean, this compared slander. to every other sport, I, I've seen if, all this slander. if Patrick Mahomes completed 39% of his passes, would he be the GOAT currently? No. If LeBron completed 39% of his shots, would he be the GOAT? No. So, well, no, he, it's he a conti- different, it's he, not, he's instigating it's a different again, category. He's, he's trying yeah, to instigate a, again. This, you can't even compare that. This isn't sports. This is weather. Weather's hard well, to you predict. Well, said, you said if it was... If it was baseball, it'd be great. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Well, then I also said he's a meteorologist, and in weather, if you're right 40% of the time, that's not bad. Is that true? I, yeah, I'm about to say, you don't even know. know that. You have no knowledge. <laughs> I don't know, but they're never <laughs> right. So I feel that. like they're never right. So I feel like right 40% someone of the time is Google, bad. Someone, someone can correct us. Do a little quick Google search and, and see if 40% of the weather is, my, is good or bad. My well, it depends on where you are. If right, I lived in San Diego, I'd be right 100% of the time. But in Ohio, it's impossible to be right about the weather. Sounds like making he's in Pennsylvania. He's in Pennsylvania. It's, it's tough to be in the Midwest. It's tough to be uh to be right about the weather. So I, I'll give the I'll give the guy some slack. I think he deserves the respect um, that he's not getting. So I'm gonna defend him. So it seems like just off a quick Google search here, meteor, meteorologists are correct around eighty percent of the die eighty percent <laughs> of the time on the average of a five day forecast. So Ben, he would absolutely. Well, suck as a meteorologist all right okay but you got to lower the expectations because he's not a human being it's a it's a freaking <laughs> groundhog so so the fact that a groundhog's does, right 40 percent of the time ben is pretty impressive on the groundhog side so you like you like this the, the stupid groundhog that looks at a shadow once a year yeah why not i don't know nah. i got nothing against him all right fair I, I will say the hit the slander is hilarious though like all the people on twitter that are like he'd be working at mcdonald's if he if he wasn't i uh, whatever if he wasn't a, a groundhog or whatever he it was, was a human he would be. It's not. Yeah, a, I mean, I think like I could do better than him. I think I could at least get 50%. It's a 50. I mean, literally the odds are 50%. It's yeah. a, so, so I feel like I could do better than him. <laughs> Just by guessing. It's like predicting if the, the quarter is going to be heads or tails. Yeah. He's less than 50% on predicting I, if it's honestly, heads or tails. If we really look at it, it's so bad he's at 39%. <laughs> it's really bad. It's a groundhog. What is the what is the groundhog gonna know? All right, Ben. Enough enough of that for today. Look, we got a lot of sports to talk to talk about today. Uh, first up, we're gonna go to college basketball. We had like a super Saturday yesterday. Um, a lot of great games. I unfortunately weren't able to catch a lot of them. Um, so Trevor, really excited to hear what you talk about the re- the whole week of college basketball, but also specifically yesterday on Super Saturday. The what was it like the second or, th- or third? 
3rd of February. Yeah, absolutely. And we had three top 10 matchups alone outside of that. There was um, a couple other, well, there was at least one other ranked matchup, Iowa State and Baylor. Um, but I'm going to mainly focus on uh, the the three top 10 matchups just because I was I was really focused on those yesterday. The first of which, this was a triple header on ESPN, uh, first of which was Kansas and Houston. Number eight, Kansas. Number four, Houston. This is their first matchup as, um, you know, conference foes now, now that Houston's in the Big 12. And Kansas really came out firing. They played very well in this game. They were uh, on fire uh, shooting the ball from three and just in general. Um, and they never looked back. You know, they got up to an early lead on Houston, ended up winning this game 78-65. And just a really great showing from Kansas. I've watched them a couple other times this year. And I've been a little concerned about their depth. Um, but in this game, I, I was um, and and I guess a lot of their points did come from their starters. But, you know, you're seeing new contributions. There's a freshman, uh, Johnny Furphy for uh, Kansas, who in this game had 17 points, shot six of seven from the field, also had eight rebounds. And he has kind of been a revelation for Kansas recently. Uh, he's a freshman from Australia, six foot nine. Um, and he was very good in the game yesterday, making threes. I think he's shooting like 41% from three for the season for Kansas. So very solid. And that's another addition. Um, now that he's playing at this level for Kansas on top of the, you know, this team that's pretty much built around Hunter Dickinson, I would say he's their best player. He's a candidate to win national player of the year. And he's been awesome, but having, you know, a freshman like Johnny Furphy who joins the mix of, you know, you have two experienced guards, Kevin McCuller, uh, the 6'7 senior, you have Dewan Harris, uh, the 6'2 junior, now you add Furphy, you got KJ Adams, who's a junior, who he's been, you know, he's very experienced now with Kansas. This is now looking like a more... Uh, solidified team in Kansas that could be a contender. Um, I, I didn't have as much confidence in them earlier in the year, but they're really growing as a team. And I thought they looked really good against Houston. Um, Houston just, you know, Kansas was playing at the pace they wanted to. The crowd was going crazy um, in Allen Fieldhouse. And it was hard for Houston to kind of uh, build a comeback. And ultimately, Kansas gets a really solid win. But Ben, I, I want to hear some of your thoughts um, on this game. If you know, kind of what you took away from this game. Um, obviously, I know we both uh, enjoyed this one. So, what did you think about it? Yeah, it was, it was a fun game to watch. Even though, I mean, Kansas was in control of that game the entire time. But, but one, like I, I texted you, Trevor, that 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 uh, atmosphere, like Allen Fieldhouse, was wild. Like it would have been so awesome to be that game. It was everything that was awesome about college basketball. That place was going crazy the entire game. Um, and I think. I think this game, because Kansas had, I mean, Kansas had a double-digit lead most of the game. I mean, they were up 20 at one point. Houston got it down to like 12 or 10 late, but um, it was it was pretty much a, a you know a 12 to 18 point game most of the game. Um, and and I think it, it this game t- says more about Kansas than it does Houston, um, because Kansas just looked really good. And I yeah, Houston Houston's a great team. I'm not saying they're not, um, but I mean if they're known for their defense, their defense was struggling. But I, again, I think that's more of an attest to Kansas and the amount of playmakers that they have on the on the floor at, at any given time. I was super impressed. I mean, Hunter Dickinson did what he usually does. He went for like 20 points. And then obviously, like you said, that Furphy dude um, looked really, really good. So I, I was very impressed with Kansas. They they uh, Defensively, they were great. Houston was putting up a lot of really bad shots. They were forcing a lot of shots, especially early in that first half. And Kansas just for, I mean, they were the better team for the entire game for all 40 minutes. And I think it showed on the scoreboard. So I I cannot believe that, 
maybe it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but I I am shocked that when when Trevor when you told me that Houston was the favorite in that game. Again, maybe it's because I, I watched the game and I know what happened, but I, I feel like I would have been very confident that Kansas would have won that game before I watched it. So I'm shocked to see that Houston was a favorite because it's, I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is one of the toughest places to play. Everybody knows that. Um, and Kansas showed why why it's tough to beat them in that building because that place was wild and they played really well. So um, credit to Kansas. Again, I, I'm, I don't think this is concerning for Houston. I think they're still a very good team. They still have playmakers. They just didn't play that well. It, it happens. It's I mean, you got to play your best to beat Kansas and Houston didn't play their best. So. Credit to Kansas. Kansas was the better team yesterday, and again, we'll see uh, what happens the rest of the season with the Big Twelve. But it's not going to get easier for you for Houston. They got they have plenty of other teams they got to play that are that are on Kansas's level. So we'll see what happens the rest of this year. Yeah, and if if you look at like the shooting stats of this game, Kansas shot almost seventy percent from the field, forty six percent from they three. Were on fire. I I almost think like they should have won by more than thirteen. Looking at these stats, and especially since Houston shot 36% from the field and 31% from three. So it almost feels like they should win by more. So I, I think Houston, they got a bright future too. Just wasn't their day um, that day. But Kansas is a great basketball team. It is amazing they were not favored at home, a place they like barely ever lose. Um, so good job to Kansas. Good win. Hunter Dickinson, previous Michigan player. Yeah, I had to mention it. I did. Um, but Why did he leave? He should have stayed. It's It's unimportant. Uh, what's the next game, Trevor, that we want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the big reason why it was closer than maybe the shooting stats said is because Kansas did turn the ball over a lot. That's one, uh, I think, concern you can have coming out of this game is that you know Kansas has to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, but overall, I still came away from this game feeling better about Kansas than I did before the game. So solid showing from there, yeah. uh, from them. Next game is Duke, North Carolina. North Carolina got this win uh, at home, 93-84. to uh, They were ranked number three. Duke was ranked number seven. And this is the first time in quite a few years where they've both been in the top 10 in a matchup. So this was obviously, as always, with Duke Carolina, highly anticipated. But I think uh, there was a little extra layer there because both teams have been so good this year. And North Carolina just continues uh, to play at a high level. Armando Armando Baycott, uh, you know, kind of the leader like of this team. Year. It feels like he's been in yeah, there. Yeah, I feel like he's been there forever. It, it feels like he's been in there forever. Um, this is his, he, he got to take the fifth year. So this is his Jeez. fifth year um, with North Carolina. Um, and yeah, he was on the final four team, obviously a couple years ago. Um, and he had another really good game yesterday, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 10 to 13 shooting. He was solid. Um, Harrison Ingram, the transfer from Stanford at 21 points, 13 rebounds, a really good game throughout by North Carolina. Um, you know, Duke, they, they tried getting back into it. You know, you had Jared McCain who was trying to, you know, get back in it. Jeremy Roach, Cal Filipowski, they have solid players, but North Carolina overall, I think is the more, uh, solidified, more experienced team. I think they're more well-rounded overall, both really good teams. I think both, both of these teams have a chance to make a run in the tournament. But Carolina has the experience. Um, they've been playing together longer. I think that's kind of the separator. Um, but these teams, obviously, will play each other at least one more time. And um, as I've said many times, it's the best rivalry in sports, in my opinion. I love it. And it was another really good game. I wish it would have came down the wire. But nevertheless, a uh, good win for North Carolina there. Um, but Brandon, any any thoughts about this one? Duke and North Carolina renewing their rivalry. I was about to say renewing is, is a good word to use here because last year they were unranked, uh, in, at least in one of the games they played. And it was like so unimportant. And now we have three versus seven. Uh, it was an electric game. Jared McCain is incredible. Our favorite TikTok star. Um, but he is 
insanely good. Um, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned Armando Baycott. I, I don't believe he's in his fifth year. I definitely think it's his ninth year. I'm pretty sure he came out uh, to college when we, when we went out to college. Um, and he's been there forever. But yeah, I mean, he went 10 for 13. He had an excellent game, 10 rebounds. He had a double-double. Two guys on the Carolina had a double-double. So great game for them. Great win. Carolina has a really special team. Um, and it seems like they're going to go uh, a pretty decent distance uh, in, in the upcoming tournament in a month here. Yeah, I, I think they really could. They're just, again, they're so well-rounded. They have Armando Baycott, who's kind of their best player, but then you have guys on the wing, Harrison Ingram. You have a really solid, experienced guard in R.J. Davis to kind of run the show, who's obviously he's very experienced with his team now. Um, this is his fourth year. Um, he Not his fifth year. It is his fourth year. Um, but just he, he's been really good too. So North Carolina is a really good team. I like them a lot. Um, and then the final game we have here is Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, this was Kentucky was the home team. It was in Rupp Arena in Tennessee, kind of pretty much wire to wire. Um, you know, they won this game one of three ninety-two. Um, they shot the ball well overall. And, you know, they had the pace, they picked up the pace, and Tennessee just played very well from start to finish. And, you know, Tennessee, they have a player, Dalton Connect, who's been kind of a revelation for this team. He was a transfer from northern Colorado last year, averaged 20 points. And he's come into Tennessee, and he's been incredible. He's averaging about 20 points for Tennessee, uh, almost five rebounds. And I know some people, I was listening on the broadcast, and because from my perspective, it, it kind of seemed like Zach E.D. was the runaway favorite to, to win the National Player of the Year. But they were saying that Dalton Connect might have a chance to challenge him. And I was a little surprised by that. But he certainly has had a really good season so far for Tennessee. And he actually kind of struggled yesterday. He had 16 points. He shot 5 of 14. But the good news for Tennessee was that they got other contributors. They got uh, Zakai Ziegler with 26 points, 11 assists, or uh, 13 assists. Really good game from him. Josiah Jordan James at 26 so a very good team effort by uh Tennessee in particular their starters um you know and it wasn't just the Dalton Connect show it was getting a lot of contributions from a lot of players and you know you did have Rob Dillingham who really was was gonna do everything he could to try to bring Kentucky back but ultimately it wasn't enough he did have 35 points in this game and um he was the guy I was like this guy is just so fun to watch he reminds me a little bit of another former Kentucky player Tyrese Maxey just in the way that he um you know can get to the basket he's so quick um and he's insanely confident and he played very well but again Tennessee just looked like the more complete team I think at the moment they are a step ahead of Kentucky I think I almost look at it in the same way that I'm thinking about North Carolina Duke where I think North Carolina overall seems like a more formidable contender than Duke is mainly because of their experience. And I think the same thing here in the case of Tennessee and Kentucky, I think they're both very talented teams, both capable of making deep runs, but Tennessee, I think there's a little bit of a separator there because they do have that experience factor. If we're talking about like winning six straight games in the in the NCAA tournament. So I like Tennessee a lot. Um, they looked awesome. But um, Ben, I'll go to you if you wanted to talk about this game or any any other college basketball game uh, that you wanted to talk about. So I didn't watch a whole lot of this North Carolina Kentucky game or this uh, Tennessee Kentucky game, but I I need to start watching Tennessee because people are very high on them. 
Um, and they seem like they're a really fun team to watch. I mean, they scored 100, 100 point, 103 points in, a, in 40 minutes of basketball, which is crazy. I mean, Kentucky scored 92 points. So um, I need to watch more of Tennessee because I, I couldn't name Trevor until you, you were talking about this connect. Dude, I could not name one player on Tennessee. I had no idea. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched them in years. Because um, I feel like they're always the, they're always a team that yeah they have high expectations but they just can't get over that final hump right they can't get over past that elite eight round they can't get to that final four mountain that they've been trying to get to and it seems like at least people are very high on them this year it seems like this is the year that they can do it um, they are the final four good so uh, credit to Rick Barnes obviously probably one of the better teams he's had in a long time um, and I still think Trevor I was saying a couple weeks ago on this podcast like nobody's really talking about Kentucky it seems like they're still a pretty good team yeah they gave up 100 points to Tennessee but they also scored 90 points so. It seems like, again, Kentucky, maybe they're not world beaters. They're not the best team in college basketball, but it seems like they're still a very formidable team. It seems like they still absolutely could make a run in the tournament, even though it's Kentucky, and they, 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 they love to uh, get bounced early on. So I don't know. I, think, I don't think this game, for me at least, causes any sort of concern for either team. Um, it just was both teams shot really well from, from three, and um, it was a super high-scoring game. So exciting game. Obviously, a bunch of exciting games yesterday, but... Um, I, I think uh, we we will we are in for a very exciting next two months of college basketball because of the amount of talent that we're seeing spread out throughout college basketball. It's not all isolated on one team. There's some really good players in a lot of different places around this country, which is super exciting for the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And in Tennessee, this win comes after they lost to South Carolina at home earlier in the week. That's right. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. South Carolina, a team who I think certainly will be in the top 25, they've been kind of a surprise in the SEC. I mean, there were just there were so many games we can talk about. We only have, we don't have a you know enough time to talk about all of the great games we saw this week. The only other one I, I will mention, well, I guess I take the back. I'm gonna mention two games. Um, Baylor and Iowa State. Baylor won this game, uh, 70 to 68, and Iowa State. Um, I forget uh, the kid's name, but he hit like a pretty much a half court buzzer beater that was waved off because the ball was still in his hands. Iowa State would have won the game, but. The ball, they showed the replay. The ball was in his hands, so Baylor survives in that one. Um, good win for them at home. And then the other one, Gonzaga St. Mary's. Neither of these teams are ranked right now, um, which is a little a little strange. Gonzaga underachieving by their standards, but this was a good game. St. Mary's won it 64-62 on the road. Gonzaga was the home team in this one. St. Mary's won the game. 64-62, and just a really good finish. Um, Aiden Mahaney had 20 points for St. Mary's in that one. So just wanted to mention those two, but um, I guess if you guys didn't have anything else, we can move on. Uh, Brandon, if there's if there's anything you wanted to mention. No, no, I, I think we covered a, a good amount of college basketball here. Um, yeah, I think we're good. All right, sounds good. All right, well, let's move along to the NBA here. Um, definitely a, a couple things to check in with, look at. Uh, first thing on the list here, it looks like we got Embiid's injury to talk about, where you were talking about that he might maybe potentially out for the rest of the season. Yeah, he he could be out for the season, and this is just a huge blow. Obviously, Embiid was having such a great season, um, you know, averaging, I think, almost 36 points per game. He was pretty clearly, I think, the frontrunner for the MVP and you know, we're going to see what what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, if he does decide to go ahead with a surgery that could end his season or if he wants to go another route. Um, there were a couple of different reports I looked at, uh, one of them from Shams, uh, you know, this was on, this was yesterday saying that Joel Embiid had been diagnosed with a 
displaced flap of the meniscus in his left knee and is weighing rest or rehab or a procedure, according to two sources. So basically, I think over the next week, we'll probably find out what the ultimate, uh, I guess, decision is because he, he could do rehab here or he could um, do a surgery that would most likely uh, end his season. And there was a, a doctor that uh, had a, a tweet that kind of went in detail about that. And he was talking about all the, I'm not going to go through all the details. His name is Jesse Morris on Twitter, if you want to look at that. But he was talking about like the details of his past injury and the meniscus and how that all works. But it, it seems like basically either Embiid will go through with a season ending surgery, which would obviously end any chance the Sixers have of contending for a title, or he's going to try to play through it. And he's clearly not going to be uh, himself if he does that, which would probably not be the best decision is what this doctor was saying. And it seems like that's the case. If he does try to play through it, um, he's not going to be able to play the same level. And thus the Sixers regardless, aren't going to be able to compete for the title. So my guess, and this is again, this is just a guess. I'm not I'm, I, you know, I don't work in the NBA media or anything. This is just a random guess. I think it will be a season-ending surgery for Embiid. I think he won't play another game this season, which is really sad because of the incredible season he was. Multiple times when I watched him, I was like, this guy just looks like prime Shaq, except he can shoot free throws and he can shoot jump shots, which is a crazy combination. That's what he looked like for the first four months of the season. Now, I think he's going to be out for the season. So it's really unfortunate. And that's kind of it's going to effectively end the Sixers season. I mean, they're not going to have a chance without them. So it, it kind of it, it just sucks for NBA fans in general. You're telling me if you lose a guy that looks like prime Shaq that can shoot free throws and jump shots that your season's over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what a surprising result. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunate situation for Sixers fans and just like the NBA in general. I mean, you never want like an MVP candidate to go down that 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 stinks for everyone involved, maybe except for people that don't like the Sixers. But Generally, that that is not a good situation. But speaking of MVP, uh, let's do a little MVP check in here. Um, you know, now that Embiid, I mean, I don't know if Embiid was necessarily the front runner. Maybe he was. Um, but now that potentially he might not even qualify. Um, who you know who is is next in line here? Yeah. So I think now that if Embiid is you know kind of out of the running here, I think Jokic is is the guy that would be the front runner. I mean, he's once again having another really good season for the Nuggets. Um, on NBA.com, I was just looking at an article, um, you know, talking about like they always do like the Kia MVP ladders and stuff like that, and and they do have Jokic at the top now. Um, and I I would expect that to be the case. I think he's up there still having. Obviously, a really good season for the Nuggets, um, averaging, I think, about 26 a game, 13 rebounds. So he's pretty much doing what he normally does, maybe slightly a step down, but still really good. Um, a couple other guys to watch out for. I think Giannis uh, is still someone to watch out for, certainly. They have him number four, actually, on this, but he's averaging 31, 12, and 6. Uh, the Bucks have still been really good. Um, overall, and I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is someone who's getting a lot of hype uh, in contention for MVP. Obviously, the Thunder are trying to get that number one seed in the West, and he's been uh, phenomenal. So I, I would say Jokic one, Giannis two, Shea would be third for me. And then I think you can't completely rule out someone like a Jason Tatum because of how good the Boston Celtics are, um, the number one record in the NBA. 
Um, if he can put together a really good run here in the next couple months, I think he'd have a shot at it. But those are kind of my candidates for the MVP check-in. I think right now Jokic would be uh, the front runner with Embiid suffering an injury. I'd love to see Shea win this award. I feel like we've had a couple years here um, where Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic have just been at the top. And yeah, um, I'd love to see a little parody because, and ultimately, like if we were really, I mean, like if we were giving the award for what it means, there's a player in the Lakers that deserves it more than everyone. Um, and it's not Anthony Davis. I know what you're about to say. It's not Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves. No, it's not Austin Reeves. Daniel Russell. Um, but in all seriousness, it would be fun to see someone like Shea Gilders Alexander, you know, kind of like the next up a little bit, you know, uh, he's, he's probably like, I mean, he probably is really like the next guy up. Um, so seeing him like when the award would be really, really cool. I think, um, Ben, any thoughts on the MVP race here? Just give it to Jokic. Like, what are we doing here? Stop wasting our time. Let's just give it to Jokic and let's move on. See, easy. I could be I could be the commissioner of the NBA. Just give it to Jokic. <laughs> All right, I guess. Fair enough. Um, and we had the All-Star Reserves announced, Trevor. All-Star Reserves were announced. Um, so why don't you walk through uh, the teams and any decisions that you agree or disagree with, the people that you would have put in? Yeah, so we had our starters that were obviously released, I think, last week or the week before. Um, in the Eastern Conference, that was Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Chase Tatum, and Embiid were the starters. In the West, it was Luka, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Jokic. Now we got the reserves. The reserves are... Um, it, it's completely determined by head coaches. The head coaches vote on this. Um, I think the only thing is they can't vote for their own players, but outside of that, it's the coaches that are voting for this. So it was interesting to see what they decided, what they came up with um, in the Eastern Conference. You, As far as the reserves go, you have to have, there's seven spots total. You have to have two guards and two uh, like forwards, and then the other two players can be, it's like a wild card. It can be a guard, it can be a forward, it can be a center, it can be anything. So in the East, they went with Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, and Paolo Bancaro. Um, that was their selection. I think overall, um, a really good list. I believe I may have had the same exact list, to be honest with you. Oh, um, that's rare. Because I had... You normally have disagreements. Yeah, normal, normally there are disagreements. You normally my, tell the coaches, I know more than you guys. <laughs> my... Well, the thing was, my starters were a little bit different. Like, I had Jalen Brunson starting uh, instead of Damian Lillard. But regardless, I still would have had Lillard as a reserve. Um, but I think for the most part, I had the same. I had, uh, yeah, Bam, Julius Randle, Paolo Bancaro, the East. Yeah, so I had actually the same team. I just had uh, different starters. I had Jalen Brunson in there um, instead of Damian Lillard getting the notch. And I think actually Donovan Mitchell with the way he's been playing lately, obviously they, they released the reserves. Um, I think last week, but Donovan Mitchell, I think had a really good case to be a starter as well. Um, I'd, I'd actually put him over Damian Lillard as well, just in terms of his season. I think he's been having a better season than Damian Lillard up to this point, but either way, I had the same in the East. Um, the snubs, as far as the East goes, the big one is Trey young. Uh, I was looking at this and I was discussing, I think the last reserve I had in there, was um, Jalen Brown as a guard um, because Palo Bancaro gets in there because you have to have a third forward. 
But the Jalen Brown versus Trey Young conversation, ultimately, I went Jalen Brown over Trey Young. Um, the Celtics are 30, like 37 and 12. The Hawks have a losing record. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to argue Trey Young with his defensive liabilities, with the fact that the team's been so bad. So some people will say, oh, Trey Young's a snub. He should be in there. I don't think so. I don't think he, uh, based on him not being better than. Jalen Brown this season. So I don't think he actually did deserve it. West, uh, the West team, if we go to it, the reserves they had were Anthony Edwards, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Carl Anthony Towns, and Paul George. Mm-hmm. I did have a couple differences here. Um, first of all, again, my starters would have been different. I would not have had LeBron in my starting lineup. I also would not have had Kevin Durant in it as I was going through here. I would have had Kawhi and Anthony Davis. They both obviously get in as reserves. But my difference is here. Um, I would not have had Paul George, which really pains me because if he was in the East, Paul George would easily make it. But it pains me to say that I would not have had Paul George. I also would not have had Carl Anthony Towns in it. Instead, I would have had Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. I think that the season that Sabonis has had, he's averaging like 20, 13, and 8. I think overall, um, yes, Cat's on a better team, but he has Anthony Edwards on his team. He has Rudy Gobert on his team. Um, I think that what Sabonis has done this season is better than what Cat has done. And De'Aaron Fox, I think, also deserves it. He would have been uh, the last guy I would have had getting in the All-Star team instead of Paul George. So those are my two differences. I would have swapped out both of the Kings, Fox and Sabonis for Towns and Paul George. Um, but Brandon, any, any thoughts on this? Um, any thoughts on All-Stars or if you disagree with anything I said? I mean, I have a lot of biased takes, of course. Uh, number one, your, your thought process on LeBron not being a starter, that's thats crazy. that That's not true. But Darren Fox, did the, I hear Darren Fox missed. He missed it. Really? I love yeah. Darren Fox. Big Darren Fox fan. Um, he's about to get his own Under Armour shoe under the Curry brand. Very cool. Um, I, I like him a lot. I, I wish he would have made it. No, I'm not going to buy I'm not going to buy that garbage shoe. But I am happy for him in all aspects of life. So surprised he didn't make it. That, that is definitely surprising to hear. Yeah, and I think there are going to be a couple players that are going to replace guys. Um, and Bede's not obviously not going to play in the game. And Julius Randle also is out with an injury. So there's going to be two replacements in the East. Um, in the West, I was looking to see if anyone's going to replace anyone and i am not sure if anyone's going to be out to be honest with you in mm-hmm. the western conferences i'm looking through it here i think all of these guys are healthy um i could be wrong about that but just from what i've seen here as i'm reading through i think all the west all-stars are pretty much set. it's just in the east and bead won't play um and joyce randall will not play so trey young will probably get in anyway and someone else will probably get in all right well i think we'll move to our last sport of the day which is the nfl this past weekend, um, we had uh, two, I mean, two games in the NFL, <laughs> to say the least, in our championship series here. Um, so we'll start with the AFC championship, unfortunately. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10. Um, and it's so weird, like, I, I still, and I still believe this, I really think the Ravens are, like, a way more talented team than the Chiefs. But I, I, I really think it's as simple as this. One team has Patrick Mahomes and one doesn't. Um, and obviously, like, the Chiefs defense played a, uh, I mean, a phenomenal game. I mean, the Ravens really had two plays on offense the whole day. Um, you know, the one touchdown throw and then the third in, uh, to Aguilar. 
So, uh, I mean, really, like, nothing happened for the Ravens on offense. But Mahomes is 30 for 39. It seemed like every third down he picked up. Kelsey is just phenomenal. And it's crazy to say this, but, I mean, they just destroyed him. I know it was 17-10, but it didn't feel like 17-10. I mean, it really felt like it should have been, like, 17-3. And, I mean, the Ravens really just, I mean, they got completely outplayed. I don't really think they played well in any facet of the game. Um, they definitely, you know, had a pretty solid run D. Uh, they only allowed like 2.8 yards a carry. I mean, they just got picked apart by uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and the rest of that offense. Pacheco um, had a couple big runs. He didn't like run overall that well, but he, he had a couple big runs. The Ravens had almost no run game. Uh, they were throwing the ball early in the whole game, uh, which seemed to be the wrong decision. They also just made an immense amount of mistakes. I mean, you have the fumble at the goal line. Um, you know, you have Lamar doing hero ball at the end, throwing it into quadruple coverage. You have big penalties around the board from Kyle Van Noy, who is a seasoned veteran. I mean, stuff that Kyle Van Noy does not do. Uh, Jadavion Clowney uh, hitting above the head, uh, getting a first down uh, for the Chiefs at one point in time. There were just were so many penalties. It just seemed like the Ravens uh, didn't really want to win the game that day. Um, so... Yep, that's that's that. It's unfortunate. This is one of the better teams they've had in recent times. They really should have been able to make it. Um, fell a, a little bit short here. But I'm going to go to you first. What were your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, I was wrong. I hate to admit I was wrong. I really thought the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl. Um, it's a, it's a shame that I'm that I'm wrong like that. I'm usually not wrong like that, but mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. I'm sorry, What Brandon. great analysis. Brandon, I actually... <laughs> I, I, Brandon, I personally know how you feel. I do. I've been in the same exact situation as you, so I know how you feel. I, I can, I can understand where you're coming from, uh, the grief that you're going through. Right. But I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to Patrick Mahomes. It's just, I mean, it's like I will never, never again am I saying that Patrick Mahomes is going to lose a football game. Seriously, never again. Until, until he loses like three games in a row, I will just assume that he's going to win every single game that he ever plays. Okay. So from this point forward. I am just going to pick Patrick Mahomes in every single game that he plays always because it, it's stupid not to. It's stupid to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to lose a game, which is what I did, which is dumb for me to say that. But um, And he wasn't even that great. It's just uh, the Chiefs just always find ways to win. They, they find ways to, to win when they have to. And the Ravens did not play well by any means. And shout out to Zay Flowers having, in my opinion, the worst like five to ten minute stretch in football that maybe I've ever seen in my life between the taunting and the fumble and then him like hurting his hand because he was mad and he slapped the bench or whatever. Um, just a just a brutal ten minute stretch for Zay Flowers. So I, I feel for him. Poor guy. I really, it really is a tough situation for him to go through. I hope he's okay. Um, but yeah, Ravens were bad, Brandon. I don't know what to say. They they just they were bad. They they refused to run the ball. I don't know why. Um, Lamar was not good. They they were they were bad. And it's not like the Chiefs' offense was amazing or anything. They weren't super explosive. But again, the Chiefs just find ways to win. So. Right. They had tons of long drives and stuff too. It just, I mean, they just were the better yeah. team. It's, it's almost they like were. at the point where I feel like with Mahomes, it's like when Curry puts up a three pointer, where like, yeah, just I just think it's gonna, gonna go gonna in. Work. Like even yeah. if it doesn't go in, I'm like, oh okay, like you know, I just think it's gonna go in. Mahomes, like every time, it seems like he plays in the playoffs. Like I'm just like convinced he's gonna win, and yeah. I don't know. He's he's so incredible. He's really great. Trevor, what were your your thoughts on this game to wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the difference was uh, the mistakes that the Ravens made, uh, the penalties, the turnovers. That was the difference. They had plenty of opportunities. And yeah, like the Chiefs did a really good job of putting together long drives. They were extending uh, their drives and making it so that they could really limit 
the Ravens' possessions in the first half in particular. Um, I mean, again, there were, I think, like four drives maybe in the entire first half or something like that. So that game plan was working really well, but ultimately the Ravens still had plenty of opportunities. Their offense did have a lot of opportunities to make things happen, and they couldn't. Um, And I think in the first half, the biggest issue I had was with – um, the play calling that the Ravens had, uh, a lot of passing plays, you know, not enough running. Um, Todd Munkin, I think, just did a, a pretty terrible job as the OC in the first half after being really great all year. I mean, obviously, uh, getting him was a great decision as it as it turned out, but in this game, it he was not very good. So that was a big thing for the Ravens. And then the second half, uh, obviously, you know, we talked about the Zay Flowers thing. That was obviously huge. Martha, the interception, there was, a, I think, another fumble, and then all the penalties. The penalties were killer, um, and I think that's ultimately what the difference was. Mahomes came out super sharp in the first half, set the tone. That's exactly what you have to do against an incredible defense like the Ravens, um, and they still played well in this game, especially in the second half. They were doing really well, continuing to give their offense opportunities, and ultimately, the Ravens couldn't make it happen. I thought... Lamar was not good. I'm not going to say I'm not going to act like he, you know, played well. He didn't. But I think that his offensive line made it tough on him. I think that there were a lot of times where I was wondering. And again, it's it's tough on these broadcasts. But I was like, are these receivers really just getting no separation every single time? And anytime they showed a replay, that's exactly what was happening. The receivers could not get separation to save their lives. Um, And it just has to give a lot of credit to Steve Spagnuolo in that uh, Chiefs defense. They did a fabulous job. Their game plan was awesome. And I think my overall thought with the playoffs, and it's sort of similar in the NBA, is that the playoffs are just, it's an entirely different animal. Like, you can be a really good regular season team, but the playoffs are different, and you have to be... Uh, you have to have a really good coaching staff. You have to have a, a know-how to win in the playoffs. And the Chiefs obviously have that down. Um, and the Ravens don't right now. So, um, you know, they had a lot of talent, but they have to figure out how to get that know-how. Similar to the Bills. The Bills also have been very unsuccessful in the playoffs recently. So those are my thoughts on the game. The Chiefs, they do it again. I don't know how, but they do it again. They they do come out on top. Let's look at the other game, Niners, Lions, uh, a game uh, the Niners have been weird in these playoffs. They they like are barely winning these games, um, and they play two teams I like really feel like they're way better than, um, and they just like are you know clawing away uh, with victories here. They won thirty four thirty one. But I'm going to start with you. What do you think about this Niners Lions game? Yeah, credit to me for saying that the Lions had a chance of winning this game, and you two didn't. So I I know ball, and you guys don't. That is that is um, that what, that's not what I said. Ultimately, Trevor, I Trevor predicted the Niners were going to win, and they won. Then you Trevor predicted said the, the Lions, Lions had no win. chance, and I was like, that's so disrespectful. They they are a good football team. They have a chance. <laughs> well, I didn't think they were going to win. I was right, and Ben was wrong. It, it sounds like the person who was most right here was me because I predicted it correctly and seven i also points. predicted it you said seven way closer trevor you, you thought they were gonna points. lose by like 20 some no i said 17 yeah i it's i, I said like 10 Brandon said seven to ten the yeah. lions just scored two extra touchdowns i didn't account for the the two extra touchdowns i didn't account for the lion or the Niners. you were trashing the lions you were saying how there was no way it would be close that it's crazy this is a playoff game yeah. you couldn't believe it yep but continue whatever ben. um the Ah, it's just, it's brutal, man. It's brutal for Lions fans to have that lead like that. I mean, I'm sure there were Lions fans at halftime, like, looking at some Super Bowl ticket prices. It's just, it's brutal when that happens, especially for a fan base like Detroit. Like, I feel for them. 
And of course, it has to be like to the 49ers who have all these Super Bowls. Like it's impossible to be happy for 49ers fans. They've seen plenty of happiness in their life, I guess, unless they're under the age of like 25. But um, I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation. I mean, credit to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy um, is on the verge of being an elite quarterback if he if he wins the Super Bowl. So I, I have to give him credit where credit is due. Um, but 49ers are a good team. I mean, they have a lot of talent, good team again. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say if, if you're looking at the expectations, they underachieved that game. I think they were expected to, to obviously play better than they did. Took them until the second half to really start trying. But, um, I mean, with Christian McCaffrey and the, the weapons that they have on offense and defense, I think it's, they, they, it is, it is very tough to beat them. You got to play well, obviously for all four quarters and the Lions didn't do that. I, Dan Campbell is uh, again, I'll give Dan Campbell credit. He's consistent. He always does super. He makes super aggressive decisions. And it, again, like credit to him. At least he's consistent with it. It's one thing if he would pick and choose when to do it, but I mean, like, like it, when in doubt, like if it's a fourth and three, Dan Campbell's gonna go for it. And if it's like a fourth and eight, and they punt, everyone on the field is like, oh, he might fake this. So I disagree with their decision to 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 go forward on fourth and whatever it was like five instead of taking you know the, the 40 whatever 49 yard field goal and yeah maybe your kicker misses it but I mean analytics I would assume would say that they should have went for it and they did but they didn't get it instead of maybe having a chance of going up three scores so I don't know it, again it's Dan Campbell it's it, he does these things but he's consistent with it so it's hard for me to hate on it because it, he's it's it's part of who he is it's part of kind of what he instills into that team and players like playing for him so I feel for the Lions I really do I feel for those fans but um, they, they had an awesome season this year and they lost to a really good team. So I think it's, it's something, it's a moral victory you could say, because, um, they got to an NFC championship game. They were, you know, they were a quarter away or half away from getting to the Super Bowl for the first time. So I think the 49ers deserve credit. Again, they were the better team coming in. They ended up being the better team, um, at the end of that game. And it sets up for a pretty interesting Super Bowl matchup. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a good Super Bowl matchup. I, 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 the Lions, big moral victory. This is, a, I mean, a place they haven't been in a long time, if ever. I, I really don't know if they've been to an cha- NFC Championship game. They had a really great season. They lost to, I mean, probably the best team in football, at least talent-wise, um, by three points away. Um, I wonder if any teams beat them at home by, like, a ton of points. That would be really incredible if they did. But nevertheless, uh, big— That, that I, team I think, must be in the Super Bowl then. Man, I think I, I knew I knew the second I said it, you were going to have some snarky comment. I didn't even—I don't even know—I wasn't referencing a team, Ben. All right? So I don't know who you're referencing, but I wasn't—I was just saying was it'd be crazy if someone Ravens. did that. Remember how the Baltimore Ravens destroyed the most talented team in the NFL like a month ago? Oh, they did? Oh, that's interesting they you'd did. compliment them. Let's it's move on, why, though. How, how, the Ravens must on. collapse down the stretch then. Let's move man. on. Big, I think in to- totality, the Lions had a really great season. They have a, a good amount of cap room. Uh, they do have to re-sign Jared Goff um, if they want to keep him. Uh, but overall, the Lions have very, very you know good future for going for them. Um, but yeah, we're definitely gonna have an interesting Super Bowl here, um, and I am definitely excited about it. Are we doing our preview here now, or do yeah, we, yeah, we are previewing now. All right, yeah. so we have uh, Niners Chiefs. Uh, I believe the Niners are favored by two points is the last time we looked, which I think is probably fair. Um, I think almost exactly the same as this Ravens game with the Chiefs is the, the Niners are head and shoulders, the better team. Um, but one of them has Patrick Mahomes. I think it's that simple. One of them has Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Chiefs defense is excellent. 
but you know the, the the Niners they they have a ton of great offensive weapons. Brock Purdy, uh, regardless of if I think he's good or not, has had an incredible season um, and has done a good job making a lot of the correct decisions in good moments. Uh, you look at the Niners' defense. That I don't think their D line's that great, but every other aspect of their defense is really wonderful. I think the, the you know the the bad for both these teams. The, the the Chiefs' receivers stink. They're terrible. It's one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, it's definitely bottom you know six or something. It's bad. Their receiving core. Their wide receivers. Trevor. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's he's, not a wide receiver. No, he is a wide receiver. He's, he's a wide receiver. He, he's That's a, not wide a wide receiver. receiver. We, we can we can stop lying to ourselves. He's a wide receiver. But yeah, I mean the receiving core stinks. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, and has literally been so bad it's lost them many games. At least two games this year. Uh, Kadarius Tony is thrown for the team. So uh, that's a big weakness that they have. Uh, you know how. What is the ability that the Niners will be able to exploit that? You know, put Fred Warner or someone uh, on Travis Kelsey. The Niners, I think, have looked way more beatable over the last month of football um, from losing to the Ravens to these these previous two uh, playoff games they just played in. Um, I, I think they, they look more beatable uh, than they have for the, you know, first 80% of the season. You look at their D-line, Chase Young is terrible. He's bad. Nick Bose is a big problem, but I think that their D-line can be moved. Uh, and ultimately, Brock Purdy, I, I think, you know, you look down the line here in a lot of these games, especially these last two, but Brock Purdy got bailed out once again. So um, can can that continue to happen? Can Brock Purdy play okay football and scrape by in these, in this you know, like he has in these last two playoff games? to to win in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to pick the 49ers. I just think they're the better team. I'm going to do the same thing that I did with the Ravens. I'm picking the You're 49ers crazy. to win. Yeah, I mean, I they're, they're the better football team, ultimately. I, I, I don't want to bet against Mahomes, but I, I did the same thing with the Ravens. I got burned with the Ravens because they play bad. I don't see the Niners playing as bad as the Ravens um, did, and I think the Niners are going to win. Ben, you can't see my face right now. I am absolutely appalled that Brandon's picking the Niners. <laughs> I am appalled. He's a big Brock Purdy guy. He must be a big Brock Purdy guy. <laughs> I feel like I need we, a moment. We, as we know, you have to have an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl, and Brandon, that's where Brandon's thinking. He's thinking I, I just think they're, they're too play. good. They're just too good to top to bottom. I think I need a moment, Ben. I think you should go ahead first and give your All right, analysis. I'll go, Brandon. You're crazy, dude. Patrick Mahomes is not going to lose. There's no way. There's no way Patrick Mahomes loses the Super Bowl. Um, and I actually mean it this time. I'm not even trying. Well, I am trying to jinx him. I hope he loses by a lot, but... Um, I don't think he will. I think that Patrick Mahomes is is the next Tom Brady. He's on he's on on track to to be Tom Brady, and it's it's crazy. I just think for whatever reason, I, you're right. The 49ers have the more talented team, but Patrick Mahomes just finds ways to win. He does not lose. Travis Kelsey finds ways to win. He doesn't lose. Like I just think that the the whole story this year has been about the Chiefs all year long, and I I, I think it it just makes too much sense that that the Chiefs win this game. Um, now again, the 49ers have a lot of talent. Christian McCaffrey will score a touchdown, maybe two. Um, and I do think Brock Purdy will, will play well enough to keep them in the game. I think I, I, I expect him to play well. I don't think he's going to be amazing. He never is amazing, but I do think he, he will have a good game by his standards. I don't expect him to throw for three interceptions or anything like that, even though the chiefs defense has been pretty good this year, especially as of late. But I just again, it's impossible. I after what we've seen the last three weeks with Patrick Mahomes, I just think it's impossible to pick against him. He just won um, two road playoff games and and two of the you know two against two of the better teams in, in football and two of the toughest places to play in bad weather. And I I just I don't know. I, I 
I refuse to I refuse to pick against him as much as I want to, as much as I want to see the 49ers win. I just think Patrick Mahomes deserves the uh the the respect that I'm giving him because he's yeah. done nothing but win his entire career. So I will pick the Chiefs, honestly, just to make it fun. I'm even gonna say they're gonna win 31-20. I'm I'm just gonna pick the same exact score of the game when they played four <laughs> years ago. Why not? So we'll just well time's a flat circle. We'll just say it's 31-20 Chiefs just to make it um just so that can happen, then people can be like, whoa, this is weird. Um, but I do think the Chiefs will win by a touchdown or so. I, I think it'll be a it'll be at least a seven point game. I expect them to win by by seven to ten. So I'll just say eleven, make it thirty one twenty. Yeah. So there's there have been two specific things that have ha- that have occurred over the past three three or four weeks, really, that have illuminated uh my opinions on who I think is gonna win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and what's gonna happen. There one of those is that the 49ers defensive line is really not that good. It's really not. It's it's really bad. It's, it's really, really not, not that good. Thing. Nick Bosa is incredible. He is incredible. But yeah, the line itself is like as a unit is not good. Chase Young was a bad upgrade. He was not He stinks. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. He's terrible. And so so that's number one. I mean, they gave up to the Lions, they gave up um I'm looking here 442 total yards, 182 on the ground, 6.3 average yards per carry the Lions had in that game. Um, the second thing that I was going to talk about is Steve Spagnolo in this defense of this defense for the Chiefs. This is by far, I think, the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had in his career. And so it helps offset the fact that the receiving core is the worst he's had in his career. This defense is incredible. And if they're going to limit a Ravens offense that had been arguably the best offense in the league all season to 10 points on Lamar Jackson's going to play like crap. He's going to have to run for his life. What are they going to do to Brock Purdy and the Niners? I get that, yeah, they have he, Brock Purdy's better weapons than Lamar Jackson does, but he's obviously nowhere near the same level of quarterback that Lamar Jackson is. So I just seen that being a very tough thing. Again, it's back to the experience. The Chiefs have been here again and again. They have Andy Reid. They have, they have arguably the, either the first or second best head coach. They have the top three defensive coordinator. They have the best quarterback, and their defense is playing like this. They just beat the best team in football, the Baltimore Ravens. They were the best team in football, and they still might be, but just in the playoffs, the Chiefs know how overcame it. So now that they beat the best team, now they have to go and play the second best team. You're going to tell me that after they beat the best team, they're not going to be the second best team in football. I think they are going to be the second best team. So I'm going to pick the chiefs to win this game. That defensive line for the Niners is going to have issues. Pacheco can run it. Mahomes can extend plays. He can get the ball to Kelsey. Kelsey's not washed. He's still amazing. He was amazing against the Ravens and the chiefs are going to win this football game. And I really don't see how this is. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout, but the chiefs are winning this game. I mean, the chiefs are the way they've been playing in the playoffs. They are a better football team and they're not losing to the 49ers. It's just not going to happen. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if I give a score prediction. I'll give my score prediction. I'll say 28, 24, uh, Niners is my prediction. Uh, granted, I should also mention that I think I'm like two for 10 on playoff game predictions. So maybe, uh, the Chiefs is the better call uh in this instance because i've been so bad at calling these but yeah any other comments you guys want to make before we wrap up the pod for today yeah i i like ben's 3120 um i will predict you gonna copy him no i'm not i can't copy him that that's just a lame move i can't do that i agree that would be like the the trend thing i was talking about earlier so Mm -hmm. i can't i can't copy ben as much as i love him um i'm gonna say the chiefs are gonna win it 
let's see, it was 17-10 against the Ravens. I think it will be a little more low scoring than what Ben predicted. I'm going to say 27-17 Chiefs. That's what I'm going to go with. All right, interesting. All right, well, we'll wrap up the pod there for today. There's your Super Bowl predictions. Um, Everyone have fun uh, watching next week. It'll be a nice game uh, to watch. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Of course, subscribe and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. Um, Go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. Keep up to date with all of our stuff that goes live. Same with our Twitter, at The Small Baller. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!